Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com. This classic podcast comes to you from our March 2019 conference, Next Level Fundraising. In this session, our Executive Director, Jim Bakke, and Corey Trenda from World Vision discuss how to steward long-term relationships with your donors. We have edited this podcast for time in order to take out some content related to a video from Russell James who that was shared during the event. That video is available through our member center online, and we hope that you'll find it there. Without further ado, here's Jim and Corey. All right, welcome back. Hope you all in uh, California are enjoying uh, the session, and those of you in Sioux Center, Iowa at Dort College, and those of you at Trinity Christian College, I hope it's going well for you. I hope you uh, uh, enjoy this next session as well. All right, so you've introduced plan gifts into your conversations. Now what? What are the next steps if the donor is interested? How do you keep the discussion alive uh, and moving forward when things stall out? When and how should you ask for the next gift? So in this session, uh, Corey and I will talk about that, how to keep that relationship alive. And after a plan gift is done, what, what, what do you do after that? Um, we talked a little bit about that, but now we're going to address it directly. And so, uh, Corey, you've been working with uh, some of these same donors for 17 years. Uh, I'd like you, for you to share about those relationships. Uh, in some cases, we've already mentioned, it took years to close a gift. Some of them were still working on closing. Um, so let's t- talk about how you make that happen. Talking to somebody over lunch, and they said, "You know, I just I feel this frustration. These people, some people, I just can't meet with them. You know, they just don't want to meet." And uh, I, I said, "Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things. Uh, one, I've had to remind myself many times that ultimately my job isn't more meetings, right?" It's maximizing what's the most meaningful way for this person to engage, and they get to decide what that is, right? Um, and uh, so I've got to kind of take myself back from the brink about, you know, from becoming too much of a pest in, in trying to get the meeting all the time. But with my largest donor, the one we were talking about earlier, who made the big gift and then they made the an even bigger gift a few years later, um, it was at least five years before. I finally were able to get a, a meeting with them. They travel and were, you know, just they weren't interested or yada yada. And I, uh, I, I finally thought, you know, I'm gonna just invite them to, to uh, for uh, lunch around a table at this place down the street from them. I had somebody coming in from another country who was interesting, and he happened to be in town. He came to lunch, sat next to me. I, I sat next to him, and uh, uh, we had a, just a great conversation. It was it, it, it didn't it wasn't this the same kind of. Uh, I think a lot of people are intimidated by one-on-one conversations sometimes, you know. So something around a table is actually you know or a drop-in kind of a thing. I don't know if I ever did that with you, Jim, but sometimes when somebody's coming to town, I'll say, you know, I'm just gonna, you know. Uh, Jim and I are just going to be at this Starbucks for an hour and a half, and I'm just inviting a few people who, who want to get an update, you know, to come by and kind of chat for a few minutes and get get to know them a little bit. No pressure, you know, come when you can. 
Um, and, you know, we might have one, we might have four, uh, but, you know, it's better than sitting at my desk, right? And something good always comes up. But, um, but at any rate, yeah, so sometimes it takes five years to even get the conversation started. Uh, and then we were, then we, you know, it was still a, a long process with, with that guy, but uh, we, we've been off to the races ever since. So, so then once we get a, a plan giving conversation, you want to talk about those specifically, you know, I think it really has to start from the debriefing that you and I did afterwards. Um, I, I want to keep those things alive, and I'm, um, I'm trying to understand, you know, what, what their hesitations were, what their timing is, and those kinds of things. And as the relationship manager, you know, you're there for me, not vice versa. Right, and so I, I'm coming back to to you then, making sure that the the thing is is moving forward. Um, I mean, we can talk about what happens after we close. It, it, those things are, are ongoing. It's not just a kind of a one and done thing. Uh, but and, tell me, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, let's let's talk about uh, one that we've talked as a, we've we've used this example as one of the wins. That was Donna. Let's talk about those dry days. Okay, so here's here's a donor that uh, Corey's lined uh, lined uh, up. She wanted to make a gift. We talked about her estate plan. We started working on her estate plan, and I, I, I I'm still there's things that maybe are confidential you might not know, but uh, she was stuck on her estate plan. Um, a widow, she was stuck on her. Uh, with her estate plan on a couple of family issues that were really thorny, and she, I don't, I don't think you know this. Okay. Well, don't so tell I'm not, me now. I'm not going to tell you. But I, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the details, but I, I don't think I even know anything. But part of part of the real hard uh, struggles that we were having had nothing to do with charity. It had to do with uh, the distribution for one of the children. And how we were going to handle the distribution for one of the children, how much was enough and how much was too much. How in the world could we structure that so it wasn't harmful for that child and beneficial for the child? And then uh, issues with, with the, the other children. I think I knew that, Jim, and the reason I want to say that right here is to say those aren't the kinds of things I would have expected you to keep from me, right? I'd, I'd expect you to keep net worth or those kinds yeah. of things for me. But, but I think, but some I of think those you already dynamics, knew that. Unless, yeah, unless the donor said, no, please, please don't tell anybody, but, you know, my son is a drunk or something like that, I, I would typically know. Okay, yeah, go ahead. So, anyway, so you, I, it took, now that I think about it, you, did, you probably did know yeah, that. But, but she, yeah. she'd be stuck on that, and she didn't have an answer for me. So when I would, when I would respond back to her, kind of with the next step in the plan, she'd just go silent. <laughs> silent. <laughs> No email response, no phone response, no text response. And then all of a sudden, like three months later, oh, Jim, sorry I didn't respond to your email texts and, and phone call messages. Uh, uh, glad to hear you're coming. Uh, I'll, I, I can meet. And then I was planning to meet on Thursday and Monday. She would fly back. Oh, we decided to go to the mountain home. Can't, can't meet with you. Let's catch you next time. And Corey is, you know, Corey's teaching me, okay, if it's all right, I'll just let you know when I'm going to be in the area. And so I 
Then the next time I was going to be in the area, I'd send her an email or a text and say, what would you like to meet? And silence. You know, and I'd call you, hey, what's up? I don't know Or I'd do up. it. And they, or yeah, you'd do it and you get silence. Yeah. You know, and so this was a donor that, uh, I mean, it was a, there was really good, we had made good progress and she was charitable, but there were times where it was just like, where are you? And why are you just deciding to not say a word to me, not even acknowledge that we're, we're reaching out to you? And then we then I'd see her at a conference. And she's arms around me. Oh, Jim, it's great to see you. Thanks so much. I got to get back together on, with you on this. You know, such and such happened with my kids. And, and then off we'd go to the races again, do some more work. And, and uh, then a different thing. I mean, it's, even though this was one that we're talking about as a win, it was really challenging at times. Oh, yeah, very, very and, much. And uh, so the fact that people don't respond to you, well, we all know this, right? The fact that, that they won't answer your phone calls and don't respond to your emails and won't even respond to your text, texts doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean that they are. It just means that there's something else that's got all of their attention. And uh, I don't think there's anyone in this room but there's someone here in Grand Rapids that I owe an email to, and they probably are thinking the same thing about me that I was thinking about Donna. You know, I mean, it, just, it's becoming worse too. You know, it's uh, and and actually now Donna finally admitted to me she doesn't really read email. She'll oh. she'll write me text messages that are that long, you know, <laughs> full of emojis, and it's just. <laughs> but you've got to, you know, twenty years ago it was. It was when I was at Opportunity working with all these tech guys. Nobody would pick up the phone. Nope, you'd just never get. You'd never call anybody. They'd never call you. You had to learn, and they would never read an email that was longer than about three sentences. So, I had to learn a new way of communicating, and I feel like we're kind of in a, we're kind of in that again now. That's just going to be yeah. life. We're just going to have to stay up with it and realize that every donor. Uh, situation is uh, is different, but she yeah she was definitely a challenge that way. And and the crazy thing about her is that even though she was responding that way with us, I mean she's still involved in the, the women's group and she's still involved yeah. in the national leadership council. I mean she's still engaged with the organization. Right. She's, just it wasn't ready for this conversation. She just and and if somebody knows that they have to have a, an estate planning conversation and they're not ready for it, they're going to push it off. Don't be offended if they're pushing it off, or you still want to have the conversation. And you know, one of the things I do, Jim, uh, too, is is every once in a while I I check back and and get their permission again. And and sometimes the way that I'll do that is to say. Uh, just to stay with this for, uh, you know, what, hey, Donna, it feels like the timing is bad. Should we just push this off? I mean, when do you think realistically you'd like to be thinking about these things? And, and I don't want to add stress to your life, you know, with this. We want to serve you. So what, you know, and then we re-agree when it's okay for me to bring the conversation up again. Or And occasionally, I mean, I've done this uh, at least 25 times in the last, you know, 10 years or something. I will, and I'm just really getting a silent treatment from somebody, from somebody, and I'm no longer able to think. Okay, I just, I think they're busy. I know they're busy, or it's a new person. I don't really know. 
I'll say, I'll, I'll send him an email or something or a phone, leave him a phone message and, and say, you know, hey, I'd love to connect with you on this, but I, 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 I uh, you know, if, you're, if you continue to be interested in, in World Vision's work, you know, I, I, great, I'll, I'll keep letting you know when I'm in your area. But if your interests have changed and, and you're no longer interested in it, just let me know because I really don't want to be a pest and we really appreciate your partnership. And um, probably 85% of the time, they, they will say, no, 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 I really appreciate it. I'm just really busy. And they may even make an extra effort to try to get together with me. 15% of the time, they'll say, you know, my interests really have changed, Corey. And uh, our old friend Dan Rice had this great, uh, this great saying, quick rejection is cost effective. Mm. And you know what? It's pretty freeing uh, for them and us to just let some things go that ought to be let go of. They may come back to us, right? If you love something, set it free and blah, 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 right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so sometimes it, it's not because they're just really busy, but most of the time it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's uh, let's get down to the the nuts and bolts of exactly how you do your work. So you you lined up a meeting with me. You kind of prepped me. You prepped the donor. We had a meeting, and then I left and I wrote uh, or I called you. Now. Walk me through exactly what you did and why were you doing all that work? Because I think everyone in the room needs to follow your example on this, but I, I want you to just walk me through that. So, so Jim in his notes here, it's all in capital letters. You kept excellent notes in the system. You should mention that you do this. It's a key to your long-term success. <laughs> in uh, my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I choose it in my humble opinion. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say, I, but I do know what to say. It really comes out of an ethos, and maybe, and maybe it helped that I was thinking that I could drop dead at age 40, maybe. Mm. But I, I have always had a, a very serious commitment that I am the steward of the organization's relationship. It's the organization's relationship. And I don't want that to die if I get run over by a bus, or if I have a brain aneurysm. I don't want my progress to die, and I don't want the organizations. I have very valuable organizational assets in the information that we learn on these meetings, and I think it's a, I think it's a terminatable offense uh, to have a fundraiser who's not making good notes in the system that, are, that, that uh, will outlive them because their relationship with God preceded me. Their relationship with the organization may or may not have preceded me, but I would like both of those. Those are going to continue after I'm gone. And I need to see myself as a, as a steward while, while I'm there. So that is a really important so I, I got to just stop, and I got to let all of that sink into you, and I'm going to repeat it. Those donors that you're assigned to you, that you're working with, you are stewarding the relationship between them and this 
kingdom mission that they've decided to fund. You're just helping them along. You call them your donors. Some of you do. Uh, you sometimes act like you, you protect them. But you are just stewarding their relationship with this idea that your organization represents. Right. Now, when you gain information, what are you going to do with that information so that that information can be utilized by the organization? How do you, are you going to make sure that that is maximized for the benefit of the organization? So, core, I, I, I kid you not, there is no one in World Vision, I don't know of any organization where there's a fundraiser who does a better job, who is dead serious about keeping good notes in core. Why I wanted him to come and speak to you. That's one of the reasons. But Corey called me afterwards. After our interview, he had notes that he wrote, and he'd send them to me. He wanted me to edit them. I think I edited them once out of a hundred. <sighs> Maybe that. <I don't> <laughs> but but then he put those in in the CRM, and then he put the next follow-up in the CRM, uh, our our database. And then when that follow-up time came, he followed up. And then he made a note that he followed up. And if he was said, can I have your permission to talk to you about this in a year, he had that in his notes, and a year from now, he had a reminder that he was going to talk to this donor, or he has a reminder that he's going to talk to the donor about this. So if he got permission to talk to the donor in the future, he knew he was going to talk to the donor in the future. He had it, he had it in his notes. Now, part of this is just a meticulous guy. I mean, this is just part of Corey's DNA. With a bad memory. With, with bad, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, but, I, but I appreciate kind of your why behind it, too. That mm. kind of helps me understand. I, it's mm. the first time you said that to me. But, uh, but he also really is dead serious about the fact that he wants to maximize the value to the organization of the time he spent. World Vision spends a lot of money on him. They pay him. You would not believe his salary. <laughs> All right, they pay him. Oh, and cut. <laughs> no, not but true. I mean, it's a, you know, if you're an organizational leader, you know that it is a significant uh, investment of, of money to put a person on the, on the road to meet with your best donors. So you want that to be, you want that to be uh, maximized. And you do that, Corey. So I appreciate that. That's why I put in here. Okay. You should mention how you do this. It is key to your is key to your long term success. And then and then he knows what things to talk about. And when. And when yeah. with the donors. And he's uh, and I love the I also love the way you ask permission. Uh, and then and then make note that you you got permission. Well, I'm glad you titled this long term relationships because you know if you have that long view, you know you're thinking it, it's okay. That you've got to note that 18 months from now I should do such and such. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your your non-fundraising communication with donors. How did you do that? How do you how do you even think about uh, you know this, this devotion that you write or uh, reflections that you write? These uh, the emails you send. What are you doing there? You know, there's a couple of things. Um, one is, I, I mentioned earlier, this idea, I think about with some regularity, how am I adding to this, to this person's life? How am I adding value to their life? You know, why should they want to 
meet with me or have a relationship with me? Um, and what can I do that would add to their life? So it's the people that I, I expose them to. It's the articles that maybe I send them. Um, the, the other thing for me, uh, Jim knows, that I, I hit the wall uh, after I'd been doing this work for 25 years. I just had a really tough trip uh, to Southeast Asia, and I came back, and I just felt my energy just just dissipating. And it's October, and we're moving toward year-end, and I'm trying everything I can to just get myself geared up, and I'm just, I am just dying. And I thought, you know, Lord, uh, am I done? You know, I've done this for a quarter of a century. Maybe I can go back to selling computers or something that's not so emotionally challenging uh, as this work. And uh, I, I remember being on my knees one morning and, and praying that and uh, just feeling like uh, Peter when Jesus said, well, you know, okay, all of these other people have left me because I've said these hard words, right, in the end of John 6. What about you guys, you know? What are you going to do? And Peter says, Lord, where would we go? You, know, you have the words of eternal life. It was like, no, I know... I know, God, how you made me. I know, because of that story I told at the beginning, right? I know that, I, uh, that I'm wired to do this. I just need to find some new coping mechanisms, some ways to finish the race, finish my marathon. And a, a couple of things came out of that. Uh, I ended up taking a month off. I took the month of December off. I, I just kind of had to, and I just kind of cobbled together some days off, and I don't remember what else, um, but I, for a decade, that, that, that year, that was the best December I ever had, and, and, it, and I didn't surpass it for another decade, uh, so, you know, God didn't need me to, to do it, and donors came around. Best December you ever had. Fundraising, Fun, fundraising, and I wasn't there, right? So, <laughs> okay, now there's a story. <laughs> Don't tell my boss. Okay? Uh, no, and and World Vision was great about it, but uh, I, I did, uh, and and a couple of people had who'd gone through similar stuff said, "Don't feel like when you when you you know a month from now you're going to have it all figured out and it's never going to happen again." Um, and sure enough, I didn't have it all figured out, but I did kind of have that realization, and a couple of things did come to me over the course of a few months. One was I started singing barbershop music uh, and uh, making ladies cry, uh, which was really a lovely thing. Uh, and uh, the other with thing your was, music, uh, what's that? With your music, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think in a good way, but you know, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but. Um, uh, I started writing, and it really came out of my angst of uh, having one foot among the poorest of the poor and then coming back to, you know, California and, and being among the richest of the rich, right? And uh, all, all of us in our way have that dissonance uh, in this kind of this difficult job that we, that we have to do. And so my writing really came out of my own thing, and I realized that every time I wanted to point my rich person for doing something 
you know, the other three fingers were pointing back at me, and all I had to do was lop off a zero or two, and I was making the same choices, right? I, I spend money that I didn't need to spend on me, I do these things, I, I have expectations, and um, so it, it became very personal and reflective, and I, you know, I didn't do it so that I could preach to my donors. Uh, I'm preaching to myself and letting them in on the conversation. That's really what I'm doing. So I've got a, my first book was a collection of some of those. Um, my, my next book might be Confessions of a Christian Fundraiser. That's the, that's the working title. So, yeah, because, uh, because there's a lot, you know, to, we, to be honest with us, uh, with ourselves, there's a lot of, you know, There's incredible joy in this work, and there's some real sadness, and there's a lot of anxiety as we're trying to develop these relationships and give people kind of a vision of the kingdom. Um, and so, you know, we could support each other in that. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but I think it was a God moment, so thanks for asking me that question. Oh, so, good, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you shared this, Corey, <clears throat> because <clears throat> some of you might be at a point where... Um, you're worn out, and you're burnt out in your work, and you gotta have, you gotta do something. And one of the things that that might help, I mean, what one of the things that helped you is this writing. Uh, but this, we need to have an outlet that brings some joy, other than our work. And Corey took me to barbershop, his barbershop chorus. I sang with him one day, and he got me in a little quartet, and we we're singing and. <laughs> And uh, I mean, it brought joy. And he found a group of guys that had nothing about his world, and he just got together and sang with them. And you know, you, so you have to find these little life. And they change over life too, and so we need to adjust those to. Uh, yeah, they uh, change over life. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, let me ask you for your closing comments of best practices and sage advice. I think you get. Do you have anything else you want to share? Well, uh, just just a couple things. Um, <clears throat> find your greatest passion and stay there for a long time. And we don't know. I mean, all of us, every one of us in this room, has this incredible privilege of working for a kingdom cause, right? It may not be the greatest kingdom cause in the world or your absolute number one choice, but there's a lot that we can rejoice about uh, with that. But get as close to possible as, as, as you can with that. Uh, I was telling a story at the, at the break. Uh, I, was, uh, I was a head of development uh, and marketing, and half the organization was reporting to me at, at one of the organizations I worked for. And everything was going great. And, uh, you know, I, I was in the middle of some major redos of the vision of the organization and stuff. And highly respected by the president, who I reported to. And I said to my wife, I just feel like I ought to be having more fun. And she said, well, if you could do anything you want, what would it be? And I thought, well, come on. I mean, I've, by then I'd already had 20 years of, you know, working for Christian great kingdom causes, right? Uh, you know how, how you know that's a ridiculous question. But I, but I, but then I thought, you know what? I, okay, if I was really, if 
if I was really going to really pick the thing, I'd get out of management because it doesn't bring me life personally. It just I can do it, but it's just not where my joy and my energy is. Uh, and I would I would work for an organization, a Christian organization that was serving the poorest around the world. Uh, again, and this particular organization wasn't doing that. And uh, and that was that was the journey that brought me back to World Vision was that kind of being honest with myself and now I've done this for 17 years which is ridiculous because when I was in fundraising before after five I, I thought yeah after five years I get bored of it you know there's not enough challenge um, I've learned to be an entrepreneur right and I so I'm innovating we've got some brand new things that I'm working on and we did the innovation fund and. I'm involved with some change processes and that kind of stuff, which you know keep me interested. But there's also this beauty that I never knew before of having these long-term relationships and journeying with uh, with people of goodwill who are struggling, and I'm struggling, you know, to be all that God wants us to be, knowing that at the end we're all going to feel like uh, Schindler, right? Who says, well, yeah, I saved all these people, but look at I could have sold this watch. It's, you know, we all know we could have done more. We're just pilgrims on the way, and it's a it's a great journey. So I think I'll stop there. My hope is for all of you young fundraisers uh, that 30 years from now you get to tell this story. Mm. Now I know that there are a bunch of you in this room. Who could tell? Who could have told the Corey story? Because you've you've lived a life of really investing in the kingdom in your organization. I want to thank you. Thank you for attending today. I hope this was in some way helpful. But I'm really I'm really hoping that those of you who are newer in your work catch the heart of what you heard here. You are stewards of relationships. You are raising kingdom resources. This is bigger than your organization. Uh, this is uh, uh, find something that that gives you passion and then stick with it. And there are times when the wheels are going to come off and you're going to have to take them up or take or find barbershop course or something, you know, to to, to bring some life back. Uh, but this is powerful work. We we have amazing work to do, and I. We consider it at Barnabas Foundation, we consider it an honor and a privilege to partner with you and walk alongside this work with you. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com.